We're going to take a look at actually the last I am statement that Jesus made. And we're going to go backwards next week. But this is the last one that he made. And it's happening at a time when he knows he's about to go to the cross. And he spent some time with his disciples. He's washed their feet. He's had a meal with them. He's prayed for them. And then he makes an I am statement to prepare them for what's about to happen. And it's an I am statement that just should ring true with us today. And it's the title and it's the main point of today's message. And it's simply this, stay connected. Everybody say it. Say, stay connected. connected. So you're going to hear me use some different language for this. It might be connected. It might be abide. It might be remain. But it all means the same thing. So if you hear me use those words, it all just means stay connected. And we're talking about staying connected to Jesus. So if you have, since you have your Bibles, turn me to John chapter 15, and we're going to start in verse 1. So John chapter 15, we're going to start in verse 1. It jumps right into this I am statement. And Jesus says this, I am the true vine. If you've got somewhere that you can underline or highlight the word true, do that there. So he says, not just I am the vine, I am the true vine. And the reason that he says this is the, the language of, of vine was very uh, prominent all throughout the Old Testament. In Psalm 80, it talks about the nation of Israel being a vine that was um, out of, coming out of Egypt and planted in a new space. And you'd, you'd hear this language all throughout. And it was talking about, in the Old Testament, the vine being the nation of Israel. And that there's a promise coming through them. And Jesus says, I'm the fulfillment of all of that. He says, I am the true vine. And the thing that you've been connecting to, now that is all fulfilled in me. And he's speaking that to us as well because we may not put our trust maybe in in Israel, but sometimes we put our trust in the United States. Sometimes we put our trust in even our family. And we connect more to that instead of to Jesus. And what he wants us to know right away is, hey, there's lots of vines. And some of them might even be productive. But I am the true vine. So we're going to start just right there how important that is. But let's read on. It says, I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be made even more fruitful. First off, we're going to talk a lot about bearing fruit today. I do not want to be the branch that's cut off because I'm not bearing fruit. So as we talk about this, pay attention to that. You're already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away. If you do not remain in me, sorry, you are a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Let's pray, God, we thank you for your word. God, I pray that it would speak, God, clearly to us. God, I pray that you would just have a attentive ears, God, open hearts, God, and that your words would sing and just shout louder than mine. God, we pray this in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. amen. So how many of you guys have ever been put in a situation where you were in over your head? Maybe like you ended up on a sports team. Maybe you got hired for a job or you got into a conversation and you're like, ah, I don't know how I ended up on this one. Um, but now I either need to like figure it out real fast or I need to learn how to fake it really, really good. 
Um, and you're just like, you're in there. You're like, I don't know exactly what to do. So it's confession time with Pastor Mark. And this is not about this. I feel like I'm, I'm confident here. Okay, so I'm not, <laughs> we're not saying I'm in over my head here. I probably am because I need to trust in God. But no, that's not where we're at. But a little while back, I was invited to um, come to a, a small group that some young adults were having. And anytime young adults invite me to their small group, I'm like, let's go. I love that age group, like that 18, like 30-ish. That's, that, I love being with that group. And so they said, well, you come to the house. You know, our group is kind of, it's kind of big. And we just, we, we want a, a pastor to come and to, to hang with us. So I show up first off and there's cars lining the street. And I, there's like 40 people in this house. I'm like, first off, you guys are a small church, not a small group, um, but this is awesome. Whatever's going on here, I want to be a part of this. So I spent some time with them, and we were just enjoying and talking scripture and talking life and laughing, and it was, it was just honestly really encouraging, really uplifting. And then it became rapid fire time of questions with Pastor Mark. Like, let's let him sit there and just, just go at it with questions. And I've done this a lot, and I'm like... I'm good with this. You know, I feel confident with my Bible and theology and just I've talked a lot to young people and they're asking me all kinds of stuff and we're having a good discussion. There's two guys that are going to Bible college and I know this. And I'm like, please, Lord, don't let them, don't let them, don't let them. Because if you know anyone that's going or gone through seminary, they always, yeah, let's just, and nope, here it comes. And so they say, Pastor Mark. I'm like, oh, man, please just ask something about a girlfriend or something. Nope. They said, a few of us are wondering, what should we do with our friends who are struggling with the fallacy? I'm like, you already used too many big words. Of Gnostic Manichaeism. And I went, who's a what's a huh? Gnostic Manichaeism. And I'm thinking to myself, can you just ask about, like, some kind of struggle you're having in your life, like you can't get a job. I mean, you're, you probably can't. Um, like, can we talk about something else? And they're like, no. They, so, the, you know, they said Gnostic Manichaeism. And I went, okay, I can't let these punks think that they, I, they know more than me. And so I'm sitting there and I'm like, I got, I, you know, get this thing rolling through your brain. And I thought, okay, I have two options. And so I put those two options on the screen today because, you know, there's a lot of stuff that you learn. And I've, I, I know I've heard this term before, but how many guys know there's a lot of stuff you learn and then when you don't use it, you forget it, right? Sorry, I see these students right here. That knowledge of like the chemical equation for photosynthesis, it's going to come in so much handy when you're an accountant. It really is. Um, so work hard. But... So I just, it's a term that I know I've heard, but I've, I've not used it, so I've forgotten it, and I have two options. Option A, humility, honesty. Guys, I don't know what you're talking about. Option B, pride. Fake it till you make it. Now, being a God-honoring pastor, I chose option B. <laughs> yeah, I chose option B, fake it till you make it. I don't care. You punks are not going to make me look like I don't. And I've, I've done this enough. And I've been in enough debates with people that I know how to debate my way out of not knowing how to answer a question. So I go, hey, why don't you guys tell me how you've responded to your friends who are struggling with this? 
So you throw the question back at them, hoping that it'll spark along the way what they're trying to get to. It didn't. So I, I keep asking questions, repeat back a lot what they say. And before you know, oh, it's time for me to leave. Bummer. Um, so they, you know, they don't know if I know what they're talking about or not, but I left and I thought, I will never, ever let that happen to me again. I felt like uh, I didn't know what they were talking about. I remember walking out thinking, I'm going to learn more. I'm going to study more. I'm going to get better. I'm going to, that will not happen to me again. And this wasn't a good, because sometimes there's a good motivation of I want to be better. This was a very much pride-driven motivation. I don't want on the outward appearance to look like I don't know what I'm talking about. And it was very, very much all about the way that I came across, not how much I was going to honor God. And the reason I bring that up is because I think a lot of times as Christ followers, we care way more about how we appear on the outward, what we know or don't know, how we look or don't look, what rules we know how to follow, than actually what God is doing inside of us. Because if I would have honestly just said, you guys, I know I've heard that before, but I'm not sure what that is. Can you just... Just tell me what that is. Tell me what that means. And just took a humble approach and being authentic, that would have been way more helpful to them. It would have been way more helpful and freeing to me. But we do this consistently. We let pride overrun our lives. And we over, what we do is I said, hey, even when we read that, I said, Jesus is showing us he wants to grow fruit in our life. But we overemphasize what it means to be fruitful instead of focusing on what it means to be faithful. And we focus all of our focus on outward appearance. And what happens is we learn how to fake it. And we learn how to create fake fruit. And the way that we do that in Christianity is kind of gross. And I'm going to talk about that in just a second. But what happens is we learn how to be synthetic instead of authentic. Because let me tell you this, guys, never, ever. Never settle for synthetic when God wants to do something authentic in your life. And the way that we do this, especially as Christ followers, is we learn our Bible. And we learn the principles that the Bible teaches. And we start getting more consumed with following the principles that the Bible teaches than the person that the Bible speaks about. And our focus becomes on understanding the principles rather than falling in love with the person. And it's so close. But man, I'd much rather know the person than understand the principles. Because what happens when we do that is religion overtakes relationship. And we know the boxes to check, but we don't actually understand the person who made the boxes to begin with. And if we're not careful, we become good at stapling fake fruit to the branches of our life. Because we know the principles of fruit making. And it looks good from a distance. But why would I want to go through all the pain of pruning? God coming along and trying to make, take the things out of my life that I like to have. Why would I want to have the patience that it takes for the uh, uh, fruit to actually grow from my branch when I know the principles to make fake fruit? Because I understand what it takes to look like a good Christian. Because I understand what it looks like to, there's nothing wrong with the principles, but devoid of relationship, it's meaningless. You know, I've heard people kind of make this joke, and I probably said it, I'm sure. You know, the B-I-B-L-E stands for the basic instructions before leaving earth, 
where we talk about the Bible being like the owner's manual for life. And while those, there's no harm, I'm sure, that anyone has in those, they're very actually harmful when it comes to what Scripture is. Because what those things do is they say the Bible is kind of like a vending machine of principles that when you need it, you go to it. Instead of saying what Scripture actually is, it's, it's a way for us to commune and relate to a God who loves us. And it shows us how people have been doing this for centuries. And it shows us how we can be close to God. And the story of people that have fallen and messed up. And it's a, it's a great tool and resource that always points back to Jesus. But sometimes we just turn it into an instruction book. An owner's manual. It takes something meant to develop a relationship and just turns it stale. And Jesus speaks directly to this. John Chapter 5, verse 39, he's, he's speaking and he says to the people who were very focused on principles, he says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think in them you have eternal life. But these scriptures testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. I love the Bible. I love the principles the Bible teaches, but those things cannot become the God of my life. Jesus is the God of my life, and all of those things are meant to point me back to Jesus. And he even speaks to me. He's like, you guys know all the right things, but you're missing what the point is, and it's me. And so today, as we talk about Jesus being the vine, we want to make sure that we're staying connected to him as the source that wants to grow fruit in our life. But sometimes we say, man, if I have the repair manual, why do I need the mechanic? If I know how to fix the thing, why take the time to actually go build a relationship with the mechanic? So we learn the principles and we just work harder. We try to be gooder. That's the Kentucky word of the day, guys. Gooder. But stop trying to be good and start just relying on the one who is. Man, it's so stressful to try to just work more and be better. It doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to, to, to do our part, but he's saying, man, would you first just learn to connect with me, to remain in me, to abide in me, to not create fake synthetic fruit in place of something that wants to grow through a genuine relationship with him. So let's just commit to being Christ followers that don't just follow principles, but follow a person. We have a savior that we can cling to and I, I want to be part of a fruitful church, and I want to have a fruitful life, but if being fruitful becomes my focus instead of being faithful, I've missed the point. Your focus should be on being faithful, and as we're faithful, fruit will be produced. Some of us are like, what, what's the fruit that God wants to produce? You know, all throughout Scripture, there's all different things that God wants to do in us and through us. He wants us to be generous, and he wants us to, to have, you know, fulfilling lives in Galatians Paul talking about the fruit of the Spirit, not even, it's not a bunch of fruit, it's how you would describe the fruit God wants to produce. It's love, it's joy, it's peace, patience. These are the things that God wants to produce through us, but we have to remain in Jesus. You know, I've, I've done some coaching with churches along the way, like I've always been this guy that understands the principles of Scripture and how to apply them to building a church. I've been a guy that understands strategies and systems. And I can, I've come into churches before and said, well, you know, here's some things that I see that you could work on and fix to help your church just to be healthy. 
And so I've, I've done some coaching and, I've, and whenever people bring me in, they're like, well, this is the guy that he's a system strategist guy. And so that's where they think that I'm going to start and that's never where I start. I learned from a pastor a long time ago and I say this to them every time. If the spirit of God and the presence of God left this place, would you notice? Or can you apply the principle so well that you could fake it? Because if you can lean into systems so well that you can fake a move of God, I don't want to be a part of this. So we're going to talk structure and systems and principle, but I want to make sure you guys are actually seeking the presence of God. And that's the same thing I want for our church, that we understand the principles and the structure that God provides through Scripture, but we don't want to be a church that just fakes it without seeking His presence. There's a prayer that I pray a lot for this church, and I'll probably start praying it more in front of you guys. And I put it on the screen today so you know what it is, and it's simply this. I want God to fill this room with people, like overflowing with people. But here's what I want first. I always say, God, fill this place with your presence. Fill this place with your power. Fill this place with your people. This is not mine. This is all yours. I give it back to you. I surrender it to you. You do what you want. And I pray that you guys would pray that prayer in your own life. Every day, whatever your job is, whatever your family is, say, God, I want your presence in my life. I want your presence with my family. God, but here's the thing. This is all yours, and I submit it and surrender it to you. That's a way that you can connect, relate, and abide with Jesus. And the great part is, Jesus wants us to be fruitful. But in order for us to be fruitful, we can't focus on growing the fruit. Verse 4 says, remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine, you're the branches. If, I, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. We want to have productive lives. But to be productive and have fruit-filled lives, we can't focus on fruit. We have to focus on just being a healthy branch. Here's the thing, if you ever walk in a vineyard or you walk in an apple orchard and you walk by the branches, here's what you'll never hear a branch doing. You'll never hear branches straining to produce fruit. They just stay connected. But sometimes what we are is we're branches that are just straining to produce something. And Jesus is like, would you stop straining and just start learning to connect, to remain, to abide? We live a life that's just straining and stressful. There's enough of that around. Let's not strain and stress to be better Christians. Let's just stress and, like, we're going to remain in Jesus. Verse 7, if you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. That is incredible. He's saying, man, I'll answer your prayers. But here's the awesome thing. When we stay connected to Jesus, our prayers align with his. So our prayers that, I mean, I, I'm just as guilty as y'all. I pray some selfish stuff sometimes. But when I'm more connected with Jesus, I understand. And my prayers become way more about what he wants than just what I want. And then he tells us why he wants to grow fruit in our life. He says that you will bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So he wants your life to be productive and fruit-filled so that other people will see that you're his disciples. Not for you to be on display. Not for you to be like, look at me. It's so that people, when they see the fruit in your life, will say, 
wow, who are you connected to? What's going on? And it'll point people back towards Jesus. So he's about to, it's his final, some of his final moments, and he's telling, even in these final moments, he's being an encouragement. Remain, abide, stay connected to me, and I want you guys to be fruitful. And people will know you're my disciples by, your, by the way that you're, you're growing fruit. And so I want to just talk about some characteristics of fruit. So I've got three characteristics of fruit, and then three things that we need to do to, to remain connected. So here's the first one. The type of tree determines the type of fruit. Whatever you're connecting to is what you're going to grow. You don't see grapes growing off of apple trees. Grapes don't grow on trees. But you never walk in an apple orchard and be like, oh, there's oranges growing from that apple tree. And some of us are expecting things to be produced out of our life that will never come out of our life because we've connected ourselves to the wrong thing. And what's happening is we see something growing out of our life. And like, why is that happening? Well, it's because we've connected and we've trusted and we've built our life around the wrong source. Right. You know, Jesus spoke a lot about finances and money. And I think the reason they did that and the same reason that I have, will never be ashamed to talk about this to you guys is because that's the source that a lot of us connect to. Yeah. That's the thing that we abide in more than anything else and we focus on so much. And the fruit that stems from that it's usually selfishness, worry, lack. Because we never have enough or we have to, a, a bunch and we, don't, we just keep it to ourselves. And if we just abide in Jesus, man, that stress starts to go away. It doesn't mean all of a sudden he gives us more. It's just like, ah, eh. I've been there without anything. Just be like, whatever, I'm going to be generous anyways. Let's remain and abide in Jesus. That generosity will continue to flow. As a church, we're going to be the same way. We're going to abide, remain in Jesus, and we're just going to keep giving it away. Like, let's go. It's just keeping a blessing. So what are you connected to? And what fruit is showing? So if we want to reflect the tree we're connected to, we have to connect. So here's the first thing. We have to stay connected to God. It seems simple. But a lot of us dabble in Christianity. We dabble in Christ following, but we're not actually all the way in. And guys, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to myself the same way. And here's what that means. How many guys know somebody that dabbles in like hunting? Okay. They, they got the camo. They look cute on the weekends. But then you know the guy that's actually a hunter. And this guy's calendar is all about hunting. They know all the things. Like, there's a difference. One of them's got the gear. The other one has the lifestyle. So let's just not just have the gear of Christianity. Let's have the lifestyle of a Christ follower. Let's not just be like, oh, I like that Christian movie or I wear the cross necklace. Like, man, I actually love Jesus and do my best to follow and abide in him to remain consistent in who he is. Don't just dabble. Number two. Fruit is always visible. You will never see invisible fruit. So if God is growing fruit in your life, people should see it. But if people are going to see it, this is where you have to do this. You have to stay connected with others. Some of you guys are, are outstanding and have amazing gifts and God is producing great fruit in your life, but you're just so self-insulated that nobody else ever knows about it. That's why we have to stay connected to other people. An apple tree has more than one branch. It has all kinds of branches. 
God didn't create us to do life by ourselves. You're a branch among many branches. So stay connected to other people as well. That's why, that's why we talk about groups. That's why we do this on Sunday and gather together. Some of you are like, I don't know a group to join. Join the student team. Okay, there's your first group. Like serve somewhere. Sometimes it's just, it's getting connected with people. And then you start to be like, look, I do have fruit. Because some of us even doubt if we've produced anything because we never have actually done life with anyone else. Third one is this. Fruit always exists for the benefit of others. Fruit always exists for the benefit of others. If a branch starts to eat its own fruit, that means that fruit is rotten. Because the fruit exists for somebody else to pick it, taste it, enjoy it. So if you're just self-consumed, yeah, your fruit might be a little bit rotten. But what I'm going to ask you guys is, if somebody gets close enough to you, what are they going to taste? You know, you guys ever walked into like a, a room that had a fruit bowl? And you walked up and you're like, oh, and then you touch the fruit. And you're like, ah, this is fake. This ain't an orange. I wanted an orange. And then you pick it up. And right away when you pick it up, like, this isn't the right. It, nope, it's, it's styrofoam. And you put it back down. I don't want my life to be that way. That when someone gets close enough to me, they're like, ah, this, this, doesn't, this isn't going to taste like real fruit. And I think that's a, that's a major struggle that sometimes we have in Christianity that people, they're kind of attracted to it. And then as they get closer, like, ah, this is all, I don't know, but this is, this is kind of bogus. And we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be authentic. We don't have to have everything right. We just have to admit when we're messed up. And that's when people taste and see that, man, God's good even through crazy messed up people. Yeah. That's why I love when Caleb's like, man, uh, this is who I am. That's the type of church we want to be, that we're trying our best to move closer towards Jesus. Yeah. That when someone tastes it, they're like, okay, I can be a part of this. But if you're going to be someone whose branch is producing fruit that you're allowing other people to taste, you have to do this. You have to stay connected to serving other people. You have to let other people see what God is doing in your life. And the only way you can really honestly do that is by serving people. That's why we want to give you opportunities. Like, you know, hey, come and to serve. This, I forgot to share this, but just a couple weeks ago, like as a church, we've been talking about you guys being generous. We were able to go and to, to bless, um, what was it, Paducah Cooperative Ministries. And we gave them some shelving and we gave them some supplies because you guys are generous. But now it's the opportunity to not just be generous, it's to go be hands and feet and to show the fruit. So we'll be generous as you guys are, but we also want to serve as you guys will serve. Our kids' service, first service, man, was packed. They need y'all. They need you guys to serve them, to love them, to say, hey, this is what it looks like to let somebody else taste the fruit. And to just love our kids. Fruit always exists for the benefit of others. I had somebody remind me after service. They said, you know what happens when fruit that doesn't get picked from the tree kind of rots and falls, it starts to kill the tree eventually. So let other people taste of what God is doing in your life. Not for your benefit, but like he said, other people will know you're my followers as they see and taste the fruit. So as we come to a close, today is Palm Sunday. 
On Palm Sunday, Jesus enters into Jerusalem walking on a donkey, right, Jace? <laughs> but he's on, he's on a donkey and people that are there and they're, they're waving branches and they're praising him and they're just so excited for Jesus to be coming into town. But they're, they're not ex- excited to abide, to remain, to stay connected to the Jesus. They are excited about the Jesus that they think can give them something. And no discredit to them because a lot of us are in the same, same boat. We're happy to go to Jesus when we need something. We're happy to come on a Sunday and to, to, to wave our hands at him and say, hey, hi, and, and to worship and to praise. And he's like, you know, thanks, but I want you guys to remain, to abide, to be in constant connection with me. I don't want to be a, a come and visit me on Sunday type of a friend. I don't want to be a, a relative that you see on Easter and Christmas. I want to be a constant part of your life. Because I don't want to just know his principles. I want to be passionate about who he is. As I'm kind of moving into this new role, I'm going through, you know, our vision, our mission statements. We've got values here as a church. And I just want, I'm trying to, you know, make sure that they're speaking the language that's from my heart and the heart of the leadership here. And the first thing I'm like, we have to remain a church that always points people towards Jesus. Because honestly, here's what I want. I want an amazing movement of God here at this church. I want God to do some incredible things. And I know though, a movement of God always starts when the leadership is focused on being super dependent connected to and abiding in Jesus. When their whole focus is, we need more of him. Here's when a movement of God stops. It's when the followers become more connected to the leader than they do to Jesus. So as much as I want you guys, I want you to be connected to me as your pastor and your friend. Do not ever become connected to any leader, whether it's in this room or any other room, to be your source of hope comfort, salvation. That's Jesus's role. It's his role. My very first pastor, when I worked in full-time ministry, he said, hey, your job is simply make disciples. And he goes, but here's what that means. We don't need more of Mark around here. I was like, that's really rude. (laughs) But he said, we need more of Jesus. So making disciples doesn't mean making little yous. It means helping people understand who Jesus is. So he said, never stop giving people Jesus. So that's what I'm doing today. He wants to be the vine, and he wants you to be a branch that's fruitful. How incredible and how amazing that God wants to do something in us and through us. He wants to be a gardener that takes care of us and to prune, prunes away the things in our life so that we can have a sweet taste to other people. So guys, if you've never heard the hope and message of Jesus, today is the day that I want you to know, man, he offers something incredible for you. Forgiveness, freedom, no more having to just try. You get to abide and God will just begin to transform. But for those of us maybe that we've fallen into some habits of fake it till you make it, 
do your own thing. I know how to paint the styrofoam to look right. Man, let's stop that today. I'm right there with you. Let's put that aside and let's say, God, you do what you want in my life. I surrender to you.